listeners, it's Philip here. Um, we're doing our mid-tournament check-in for the U.S. Open, and I'm here with uh, my cousin Mark and my brother Peter. Um, it's Labor Day, um, and uh, for Novak Djokovic, it's a belabored day. Um yeah, let's just get right into it. Um, yesterday, he was defaulted after, in frustration, um, hitting a ball and accidentally hitting a lineswoman um, in the neck. Uh, and she was very dramatic, you know, making gasps and sighs and stuff. But, I mean, in the end, fine. Um, and uh, was defaulted from the U.S. Open because... Um, the rule book it's very clear what happens when uh you behave recklessly on court and it um puts someone else's health in danger uh however all three of us are in the camp that that's a bullshit rule and you shouldn't um, kick the best player in the tournament out on such like a technicality um and so mark the question i have for you is uh have you ever been the victim of a bullshit rule? Societal rules or legal rules? Uh, the closest <laughs> thing to like Novak Djokovic getting kicked out of a yeah, U.S. Yeah. Open as possible. Yeah, I don't even know if I've ever played sports for money before, and I certainly never had two five hundred thousand um, dollars, you know, aligned to a match. Dude, dude this was this wasn't just five hundred thousand because he was gonna win the You're fucking awesome. tournament. So it was two million dollars. It was no, it was four million. Probably some Lacoste bonus as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten million. <laughs> I mean, it, it's almost it's insulting to Novak. It's insulting to the world of money, and it's insulting to just tennis fans for me to even tell my story. But for the sake of keeping up with the theme, I will. Um, I was coaching uh, boys golf. It was a our district tournament, and the top three teams qualified for the regionals. We were down to our last player, and we were in um, third place up by one shot. And I think we were on the 16th hole, and he hit the ball. And, and it rained a little bit, so he hit the ball in the mud. And so I told him to switch balls. Um, not to play the ball that went in the mud, but just to take that ball and switch it for a better ball, that he shouldn't have to play the muddy ball. And apparently the rule is, it's okay if you do that. You can switch balls during a hole, but you have to notify your opponents first to see if they're okay with it, because they have veto power. Um, and so he did not do that. He switched the balls, and the other team's coach noticed it. Westminster Christian, the guy took himself way too seriously. Kind of like the umpire yesterday. So I guess there is some overlap there. And we were assessed a two-stroke penalty. Could have uh, probably the third place anyway, but it just threw him off. And he ended up like double bogeying the next ball. And I think we ended up being like three strokes off third place, but it was just, it sort of fell on me because I was the one that recommended it. And that was a bullshit rule. And golf is probably even more, bu I mean, as bullshitty as yesterday was, golf probably has even infinitely more un unwritten and written bullshit rules that nobody would just take the time to read. So <laughs> that's, my, uh, that, that's my lame attempt at, um, you know, 
of expressing victimhood, but victimhood has a broad brush these days, so I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're smack in the middle of victimhood I mean, <laughs> by today's standards. Um, yeah, Peter, what about you? Yeah, so I... Think I, I, was I, I um, mine's probably a very relatable story. I remember I was moving from uh, D.C. to Austin, Texas, and I was driving, and basically when I had just gotten into Texarkana, I was on the roads, and in Texas they have um, crazy high speed limits. They have um, 85 mile an hour speed limits <laughs> on highways, and and um, I was going 88 and an 85 with traffic, and um, a cop pulled me over and gave me a ticket, and and when when I asked like what about the car in front of me, he just responded like really fast, being like, "Oh, you mean the car you were gaining on?" I'm like, "Oh, all right." They see the out of state plates that this is like part of him getting his quota, and and I'm just not gonna win this. But I think that's just I feel like everybody or most people who've driven um, on highways. Uh, have had a, probably a similar experience, particularly yeah. in Texas. Yeah, particularly Sandra Bland. If you saw that video <laughs> five years ago, I, I guess we can laugh about it now. <laughs> yeah, for me, uh, it was a racket sports moment. I was playing squash I, in I the final in nationals against Yale, and I started bleeding from my knee. Uh, and the, uh, the rule in squash is if you bleed once, like, you take as much time as possible to, like, make sure the bleeding stops, because if you bleed a second time, uh, you're, you, you forfeit, uh, a set, the equivalent of a set, of a tennis set, um, and, uh, I mean, I sweat a lot, and so I was bleeding on my knee, and the, it was at Harvard, and the Harvard, uh, like, uh, trainer, like, taped up my knee. But, I mean, the, the tape job just, it just fell apart within, like, three lunges. Because, you know, knees are used quite a bit, and, you know, knees, knees bend, too. Um, so, uh, so that was pretty, uh... It just didn't work, and so I scraped my knee on the floor again, and I I was bleeding, and uh, Yale because their dicks, like made sure the ref uh, saw it and uh, enforced the rule, and I lost the match because of that, and um, it was bullshit because that rule. Um, originates from when everybody was freaked out about HIV in the early 90s. Um, and I mean, okay, if I'm bleeding, it, a little bit of it might get on the court. Um, but first of all, I'm like pretty healthy. And uh, second of all, even if I, if I were, were not as healthy as I am, uh, we we have a pretty good idea of how HIV spreads. <laughs> Never also, also it's just sort of the, um, there's like what's written and then what sort of the, uh, the like sort of general rules of comp 
or basically how it's generally enforced. Yeah. And that rule, I've I've literally never seen that rule actually enforced. Yeah. Well, let's let's add to the fact, and I was I freaking flew up from Florida to watch you guys in your last weekend of team squash at least, and I was there. And it was their assistant coach that pointed it out. I don't even know if he was the assistant or the second assistant. Secondly, um, I think it was get right in the beginning of the second game. Maybe you had played two points or forfeit the whole second game. Or you had momentum in that game, and you might have even been winning in that game. And then they just... Yeah. Yeah, it was the second game, and yeah, I had to forfeit the whole second game. And I actually almost um, came back. Like, I lost the third game 11-9. And uh, if I had won that third game, I think I might have been able to win the match. But, I mean, I, I did lose the two other games. So, I mean, it wasn't only because of that ruling but uh i wouldn't count the third game yeah it was a yeah it was a it was it was a djokovician moment i mean if djokovic had been penalized a set like that would have been fine you know because <laughs> he still would have won the fucking match well, actually, you know and i think that would I have mean, been a much more like uh proportional to the crime um penalty yeah, and did you see what I would Steve... also add that, like, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I, I mean, that's kind of what Stephen A. Smith was saying. That I, I thought Stephen A. Smith's sort of three-minute monologue on just how this was ridiculous was uh, was so spot-on. <laughs> what is, uh, tell our listeners what he was saying. He was basically saying, like, I'm disgusted, like... This was a pure accident, and it was it was so clearly an accident. He wasn't even looking at this person. There's a global pandemic going on. There's the and this is like who people want to be seeing, and just to like pull and then he was talking about how like um, people who were commenting on it were like John McEnroe, who was like. Just for Djokovic, and he was saying, "This is the same John McEnroe who was quite the fire breather in his own right back in the day." And back in the day, it was even less acceptable. And so, just having hearing like John McEnroe be like shaming Djokovic for this accident and having this sort of by the book ruling, which which was really clearly an accident, and there were. There are analogs to it in the, in history with like Shapovalov hitting the umpire, but I don't know if you all saw the Shapovalov. Yeah, Shapovalovs looked like it was on purpose. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, no, that that was not on purpose, but he like really crushed the umpire. Yeah, but, like, he, he he busted the ice, and and um, this one like it didn't even really injure the ball person. No, it, no, like, that hurt, that hurt ball person bit. was a bit of a drama queen. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of memes on Twitter about her, like with comparing her to like soccer players, like <laughs> Neymar, and then then, uh, then like roll <laughs> over and over and over on the floor. <laughs> <and> <laughs> I like 
I, li- I like the analogies. I would only add one other thing, which is that they probably should have issued him a warning when he belted the ball in the previous game. If they had issued him a warning, if they want to go by the letter of the law and issue him a warning when they're supposed to, he would have walked on eggshells the rest of the match, and he wouldn't have done anything out of frustration, maybe other than going inside a locker room and busting a racket. So, you know, they actually dropped the ball to begin with, and by virtue of dropping the ball, he figured he could act with impunity. I think he was either trying to hit it on the ground. I don't think he had any intention of hitting it anywhere near eye level. Either he meant to hit it in the No, I think he was trying to hit, hit it on it. the ground. Yeah, I think he was trying to hit it against the back of the court, but not in yes. the stands, so that he could hit it, but he wouldn't have he wouldn't get a pound of cop penalty. Yeah. So I think also, why do they have, like, such old blind people? Like, aren't young people, don't young people have better vision, you know? Like, isn't this, like, a job where, like, youth is sort of, like, a criteria? That's discrimination. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm ageist, uh, listeners, um, I'm because only I, uh, I'm only yeah, I mean... I believe you need vision for a, a job for calling lines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, so, so, does so, this bring us, but does this, is this all just a weird um, uh, Kafka esque way of justifying Djokovic's professional players association, which is why arbitrarily created rules, arbitrarily enforced, there should be some panel, it should have been reviewed, there should have been more pluralism involved in the ultimate decision. Um, you know, you ha- there are consequences. There are sponsors who've invested a shitload of money in a tournament that doesn't even have fans in it. So commercially, it's probably a losing proposition for them. You have the USTA, which has also invested a crap load of money, then you have a bunch of athletes who busted their ass to enlist COVID. You know, I don't know if he's with his whole family or with his team, whatever. But, you know, put up quite a sacrifice to make it. I mean, it's a relative term, obviously. But some may, you know, and and it seems to hurt the ultimate product in making that decision. I, I don't know. Maybe my questions are, are, are simply pointless in regards to a, a rule as a rule as a rule. I don't know. I don't yeah, know I think. Uh, I think the word sacrifice. Happened. I think it's hard to use the word sacrifice when people are being term. properly compensated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all relative. It's all relative in the, all, the whole sense of just that, like, you know, that they are in two continents in three weeks to play two different majors. So, depending on which major you prioritize, it's a bit of a trade-off between the two. I guess it's and know, very, OG, very loosely. He, he's likely to win four million dollars and be. Then like sure. all over every newspaper there. and like yeah 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 um but yeah I get your point I think the the biggest loser is the fa- are the fans not Novak like Novak who gives a shit you know but like us right. we wanted to see Novak and we we don't want like some some random schmo to win a grand slam without beating a member of the big three it's just like it's a bit tainted having had a member of the big three legitimately lose by the way like everything about this Djokovic match has been about like what the the lines person thing um nothing 
even mentions like either the quality of tennis in the match or like what was going on in like because Karenia Busta was up six five in the in the opening set. Um, so they would have won it. Okay, he would have won the first set because he wasn't giving up many points on his serve. So yeah. he probably would have won it. It would have gone four or five. But it would have been a real match. Yeah, was anyone were either of you watching the tennis? I I didn't watch it because I just assumed Joker would would like mop him up. I wasn't watching. Well, I saw one game. I don't know about Peter. Yeah, I wasn't watching either. I immediately turned it on though when I got the news of Novak being defaulted. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe Pablo was playing pretty well, but I just. I just cannot fathom. Well, he lost the first set against Edmund, too. Joker yeah. lost the first set against Edmund, and then he just steamrolled him after that. So I don't think it was ever. I think it was. Sometimes they need that. We've seen it with all, 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 the, all the big three. They play a slightly loose first set, and then they get their shit together. I yeah, mean, really and if, if, you, if you sort of heard his pleas to the Empire to, like, uh, let him, like, stay in the tournament, um, you would have seen just how much he cared about winning. Not just that much match, but the tournament. Um, yeah, he sort of knew the the legacy um, marks at stake. Um, yeah, in terms of ramifications, I actually think um, so. There are all these memes about with like Feather and Nadal laughing um, from which like, is bullshit. With, yeah. Where 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 it's real and uh, maybe Federer, but like I feel like this disqualification of Djokovic sort of makes him even more likely to win the French. Yeah. You gotta think the guy is like unbelievably motivated now. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Um Yeah, cause uh yeah, his eyes are on the Grand Slams and uh if Nadal wins the French then he's one more back from Nadal. But, I mean, I think he's always been motivated to win the French, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, but his, his motivation so has always been that. 100%. There's something said for having that extra fire, though. Yeah. That extra fire in the belly. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, but we're, really anyways. I think it really ups the ante. I think it's everybody goes in on a level playing field. Um you know, nobody can use the excuse. He can't use the excuse that he didn't have a real chance. Yeah, I know he was planning on playing Rome, but I can't imagine he would have been able to play it, you know, with a full tank of gas if he won the Open. So I think it it legitimizes that tournament even more, at least for those two, and Sitsipas and whoever else. So I think it's it, I think it makes the French more exciting. I'm looking forward to it even more. I think if they're in the finals. Um, Neither of them as an excuse, you know, if they don't win. And, and I think, it, yeah, I, in that sense, a lot of unintended consequences. I think it'll be a really fun tournament to watch. He'll get sick of answering those questions. But hopefully after, like, the first two rounds, he'll stop asking him that question. And he'll just be able to focus on, on the clay. Yeah. Um, cool. Like, so I guess... What Novak Djokovic's exit means is that there's an enormous void of a clear favorite um, remaining in the draw. 
So, so yeah. Let's I don't know. I, I think Dominic Team answered a few questions like an hour ago when he just crushed Felix Oje Aliassime. Yeah, Peter, were you watching that match? I watched some of it, and it was just so clear who the better player was and how much longer Felix has to go. Yeah, Team was hitting the shit out of the ball, and Felix just couldn't handle it. Team sort of looked like Nadal a little bit. Like, Team, it just, it sort of made me respect, like, that Rafa Team match from two years ago a little more. Because Rafa, like, Team was hitting the shit out of the ball, and just imagine a guy on the other side of the court hitting the ball equally hard and then doing that for five sets, and that's, like, what uh, what that Rafa team match was. And Rafa paid a price. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it played a role in Rafa's not winning that tournament. Um, but, yeah, so yeah. Else is impressed. You think I mean, team, team is... maybe has played really... You think team is, like... Favored over Medvedev? I'll let Peter answer that. I think Peter's FaceTime is... Uh, sure, sure. Uh, I, I think that's a pick'em. I think it's a pick'em. I think teams made three Grand Slam finals. He's done better in each one. Uh, um, he, as you guys have said, he rebounds from a bad week pretty quickly. And so I, I think that he's I, – I, I couldn't handicap that match, but I'm having a tough time handicapping the whole tournament right now. So that would just that would just be par for the course. Yeah. You know what I mean. Like, I, I just think – I guess if I had to put money on it, I would still put Medvedev, but not by a lot. Yeah, I think that'll be – the reason neither of them is the favorite to win it is because they'll have to play each other. So their odds are, like, at least – like reduced to like below like fifty percent or below, whereas you you have to assume Sverev is like a prohibitive favorite to make the finals in the top half. Um, he has to beat Chorich tomorrow, and then uh, Carreño, Busta, and Shapovalov are the other. So I guess Shapo Shapovalov is playing really well too. Um, so Shapovalov could make the finals in the top half as well, but yeah, yeah, Peter, what do you think? Is team? Do you think team is like favored over Medvedev? Yes. Team's just had the better career. Um, Medvedev uh, isn't quite as dominant as he was last year, or at least he hasn't shown it. Um, I think team is clearly favored over Medvedev. Yeah, if team plays like he did today. He will be hard to beat. Um, another one who we might be sleeping on is uh, Berrettini just won the first set over Rublev, but Rublev is up a break in the second. So, like, yeah, the winner of that match will be a hard out for uh, Medvedev. Um, but, yeah, yeah, there are a lot of young guys left um, in the draw who each of them, it'll just really, really, really affect um, the way they're viewed as uh, tennis players um, if they win this tournament. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll, it's, it's huge for the legacy just to win one Grand Slam. It'll probably up their appearance fees like 
twenty percent at least. Um, part of why I hope the team wins is because I feel like he's somebody who actually would would have won one if it wasn't for the big three, and he's made some finals in the past in multiple. He's years. also about as nice as they get. <laughs> he's also very likable. I mean, and he's somebody who 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 actually. He's like the one guy in the draw, maybe Medvedev too, who like had a realistic hope of beating Djokovic. Yeah. Yeah, I I hope it's like either team uh Medvedev, Berrettini, Rublev, Shapovalov or Chorich. But actually not really Chorich or Shapov like I, I hope it's somebody who, who for whom this is not going to be the only major they win, because this is sort of like um, a cheap major, so I don't really want there to be like a Thomas Johansson um, like champion for this event. Like uh, I don't want there to be a a champion who you're like, damn, I can't believe that person won a major like that that's bullshit like i want it to be like a guy for whom for whom this is like not the only thing their legacy uh like hinges on you know like if you win a major you have a really really good chance of making the pro tennis hall of fame So my, my question is, is this was this major, regardless of how the tournament played out, was it a slightly diluted Grand Slam anyway? Or because the tennis is the tennis, and these guys have been waiting for five, six months, you know, to really compete, that they're in it to win it even more maybe than ever? I don't know. I'll, I'll just leave it at the question. Was, was it a slightly tainted, tarnished, asterisk major to begin with, or not necessarily? I mean, it's definitely um, tainted in that, like, like so many of the top players chose not to play. Um, whereas, like, there, I don't think there have been any majors recently where healthy uh, athletes have opted against um, traveling to the event. Um that said, I mean, it's up for grabs, you know? Um, yeah. So it's like, okay, these are the conditions. Uh, the conditions aren't always perfect. Uh, and this person is the one who emerged with something that everybody else wanted. So uh, so you, you, can, you can gripe all you want, but it's, it's, it's a full major, even if, like, the conditions weren't... Um, weren't optimal yeah. for like competitive like uh like perfect competitive parody basically i agree totally agree it's like the conditions are the same for everyone a and b just it might be if, if there's any taint to it in anyone's eyes it'll be like this year maybe next year maybe the year after that but eventually it just becomes a stat in the record book and I just don't think there is such a thing as a tainted major. 
Damn, yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah, yeah, up in like 20 years from now, in 2040, like it's it's hard to imagine right now, but very few people are going to remember like COVID. <laughs> you know, a lot of the people watching tennis won't have been alive for COVID. They'll be like, or they'll be like, oh yeah, that, and have like <laughs> a really short memory of like five things that they remember about COVID. A lot of the people watching tennis won't be alive 20 years from now, you know? <laughs> most of the people who go to the U.S. <laughs> most of the people who have box seats at the U.S. Open will not be alive in 20 years. That's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so, so even if it's tainted, it will show up in the history books. And, yeah, one day, like, it'll just be just a stat. It'll be like, oh. Pablo Carreño Busta won the 2020 U.S. Open. <laughs> That's not that. They'll have a tougher time believing that than that a, that a virus with started with the consumption of a bat changed the whole world. Yeah. Uh, that's not going to happen. I won't even. I'll boycott the final. It's like they need to put. If he's in the final, Djokovic needs to take him to some U.S. federal court and, and get placed back in there. I'm so sorry. There's a, actually, it's a funny. I made fun of you guys. Like when I, uh, there was a cheated number one team in that. All individuals. Wait a minute. This like who has it? And Rove event which was that some mark your connection is really bad must be true anyway just to make a long story short if, if corinda makes the finals Djokovic should take it to court <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean americans don't like Djokovic, so he he won't win in american court um i think i think is it the whole Djokovic stuff is actually kind of like systemic um bias against eastern european culture i think yeah um, i agree with that because like most of well we tennis, like the women just not the men most of the, tennis <laughs> like the women. most of the tennis establishment is like western society and eastern europeans just have like more bravado to them and there are so many ways where djokovic is an extremely charismatic like funny just thoughtful guy who's he's he among the big three, he's like clearly the most intelligent, and he's come uh, from nothing. Has this extrusive story. I wouldn't say that. I think they're all pretty intelligent. I think Novak is clearly uh, the most Very intentionally cultured. funny. Um, but just the way he's like so good at picking up languages and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he's great with people. And it's, it's just, like, weird that he, I mean, maybe it's part of, part of it's because Federer and Nadal were first and he crashed their rivalry, but it's been a long time where he's been the best, and it's, I think it's, I think it's just generally a culture yeah. thing where, where his kind of dynamic and vibe clashes with Western society's, like, epitome of what's classy. The, the, he, he, does, doesn't, he hasn't built up goodwill partly because of that sort of systemic kind of bias. He does do some like really weird things though. Like okay, he does. He is funny on like his good moments, but in his bad moments, he's like bringing on like weird like 
like gurus onto his Instagram channel who are just like spewing bullshit, you know? Uh, yeah, he is an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, yeah, so he's basically like Novak would be great if it were cool Novak 100% of the time, but like he's cool Novak maybe 70% of the time and then he's just like weird Novak uh, 30% of the time. Yeah, but I think some of his weirdness, not the anti-science stuff, but some of his weirdness is actually considered like uh, is like just kind of like East part of it, yeah. where like Eastern being Eastern European and culturally rubs up against being from Western culture. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're definitely right um, about the 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 anti Eastern European bias. Um, but I, I think you're right too that there's weird. I think we're we're talk, we're like we're, we're saying the same thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. Is it also possible that at least with American tennis fans, because American tennis fans don't really have a male tennis hero, that it's just easier to have a male tennis anti-hero. Like, okay, we, we can't find a protagonist, so the only thing that really draws us into the narrative, you know, gets us intrigued about something that feels like an exclusive sport, whether or not it plays well on TV, you know, that it's just it just creates a storyline that otherwise wouldn't be there. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Serena, Serena certainly held the U.S. tennis mantle. You can't get the, the average, you know... Um, genuine sports fan who likes tennis is not going to jump up and down about U.S. men's doubles, so we just haven't had an American player since the Sampras Agassi. Mark, so yeah, Mark, just, yeah. Mark, Jack Sock won his first round match. It's true. It's true, but it took that. It took that. You know, there was the injury. It took, uh, you know, and then he lost to, who did he lose to in the second round? He lost to a, a bald Frenchman that people thought was Russian, and because they thought he was Russian, it even, you know, made him more... <laughs> yeah. Uh, sounds like you're describing Man Arena. Um, I mean, we should you should have already known <laughs> that the tournament was not going to you know go according to form as soon as he won his first round match in a fifth set tiebreaker. It's not that he just won it; he won yeah. it in like spectacular fashion. It, it, it was <laughs> an it, yeah, it was an omen. Um, yeah. Um, I think Brandon Nakashima. He's uh, he's got some potential. The 18-year-old American, um, he took a set off Zverev, I think. Uh, yeah, he has a good backhand. I mean, he's got flaws to his game, too. I mean, he's not the greatest athlete. I don't see him as, like, a perennial top 10, but I see him in, like, the Steve Johnson range. Um, but do we so do we fucking need up. another Steve what, what? Johnson? No, we don't need another fucking no. Steve Johnson. No, I mean the only thing worse than <laughs> the only thing worse than John Isner is Steve Johnson, and that they had to put. It's just. I mean, I've never found myself cheering for Isner more in my life. I've never cheered for Isner for a whole set, and I cheered for him for the whole set, and he found a way to lose in the fifth. I, I literally, I watched the whole thing just to see him win. That's the only time, the only time I've ever cheered for him. He could be playing. 
He could be playing the, somebody from from Moldova. Sorry, I know Moldova. It's, it's close to home. He could play somebody from Kazakhstan, and I, I would be cheering for the guy from Kazakhstan. But the, the, I was, this one time I wanted to cheer for him, he couldn't even pull it off. But yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's let's uh, let's make predictions for the rest of the uh, the tournament. Um, all right, looks like that upper half is tough. The upper like half is tougher to predict. Rublev, Sverev, they're they're pretty much uh, they're pretty much a set of piece. So no, not Sverev. Rublev, Berrettini are pretty much a set of piece. Rublev is serving for the second set right now. I've been bullish on him from the whole time, but I don't think he'll get past Medvedev. So I'm. I'm going with Medvedev and Sharapolov in the final. That's wishful thinking, too, but yeah. Yeah, Peter, what about you? Um, I guess I'm going to go team against, team against um, Zverev. Team Zverev? Well, that's an easy one. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very... German speaking uh, final. <laughs> um, There'll be no divided loyalties, at least. Yeah. yeah um, How about you, Phil? You get the last word on this. I don't know. I think like uh, whoever wins between Team and Medvedev, I'll I'll go Medvedev uh, versus um, Sverev, and uh, Sverev like owns that head to head. But I think Medvedev is the better player, so that would be like a really interesting match, actually. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm taking Medvedev. What about you, Mark? Who who do you, who do you have winning? I lost. My original pick was Medvedev over Novak, just because I said the law of averages said that Novak had to lose a match at some point. So I'll just stick with the original prediction. Yeah. yeah. So I'll go Medvedev, uh, Sharapolov. Um, the Canadians given and everything. He, Dude, the final, he, but, he has such a high ceiling. Dude, he's so fun to watch. When yeah. He's, like, playing well. Yeah, and then he can just like play the crappiest tiebreak. <laughs> but uh, Mary Carillo, she's she said something funny, which is against Goffin. Uh, Shapovalov, he lost seven zero on the first set tiebreak, and then just. Played the rest. Played the second set as if he had won that that tiebreak. Like he, yeah, he uh, he has some swag to him. But he has such a high ceiling if he can just like keep his balls in play. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Peter, who do who do you have winning your final matchup? Uh, I have so. Alright, here's my thinking right now. Um, I actually think Team's going to win. If it's a real prediction, I think Team's going to win. But I'm going to predict Zverev so that, you know, at least if he wins, I, I don't totally lose. <laughs> Emotional hedging. Mark, your connection is... Who is not... Okay. Give me the... Give me the three right. No chance. It's just you will. You will not. You will almost stop watching tennis if they win. I won't stop watching tennis, but I really doubt that Tiafoe is going to win it. I really <laughs> doubt that 
Karina Busta is gonna win it. And um, Demonor. Yeah, I just don't think Demonor is gonna win it. Yeah. Can we add? Uh, can we add Berrettini if for some reason he wins today? I would add Berrettini to that. I think Berrettini's pretty legit, actually. Have you watched him play? He's like really good. Yeah, I think he. I think he's, he's going to win a major. Head. Like once. I thought he was a little heavy. No, is he just big? He's a uh, he's he's very very uh, ripped, and he's also like a bit top heavy. Like he has like an enormously he's jacked stamped. upper body and like kind of spindly legs. Um, but no, he he's he's pretty legit. Um, yeah. I think he. I think he's going to win a major. Like if it's not this one, he'll win one when the big three are gone. Um, what would be interesting is if there's a Medvedev. Actually, that would be next round because uh, last year Nadal beat Berrettini and then Medvedev. But it would have been. But Berrettini versus Medvedev is kind of like a who would have won the final if it wasn't Nadal. Yeah. So my question. My question is: Does if we got we're getting we're gonna get a window for the, you know, for the last six days or seven days of the tournament, is tennis exciting to watch without the big three? Is it exciting enough? I'm not. And maybe it doesn't, you know, match what it is with them. But is it exciting enough? Is there enough of an intriguing narrative? You know, we're getting a glimpse into the future, and, and are we are we bullish on the future? Team was playing like really good tennis today. Like it was big three level. Like. I'm sort of sad that it's not going to be the big three and team in the semis, like, because that would have just been the highest level tennis. But there is definite intrigue on, like, who, so, okay, so they're out. Who can snatch this? Who, who's got, who's got the sack? Yeah, who's, like, the opportunist? But I, I, I really hope this isn't, like, every major. I hope this is the outlier. No, it can't be. There's no chance. Yeah. There's no chance. I mean, Ralph is going to be healthier than he's ever been. Federer's going to be healthier than he's ever been. Joker's about as healthy as he's ever been. And now there's some fuel to aspire. So I think this was actually good uh, good for the sport. Yeah. I think, I'm, sport. I, I think I'd bet extra hard on a Rafa Novak uh, final at Roland Garros. Especially if team wins and he's not quite as, like, motivated. Yeah, he's got he's got his uh he's got his crown. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So any closing thoughts from from the two of you? Uh no, I think we've covered most of it. Yeah. Um one closing thought from me. Uh I kind of want Serena to like get this grand slam like and just like uh I think this would be the one that ties how many does she have? Twenty three or twenty four? She has twenty three. She tied Margaret Court with this one. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want her to get that like uh, that off her back. Um, yeah, I do too. It's been the storyline for too long. Um, She's playing well too. Like I think, I think it's gonna be um, Kerber and Osaka in the top half, and then Serena and Kennan in the bottom half. And um, that would be a really uh, high-quality semifinal. Um, if she loses, though, I think it would be in the final to either Osaka or Kerber. 
I'm I'm uh, I'm sort of darkly hoping for an Osaka uh Serena rematch. Um Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Um, hopefully Serena's playing better. Or maybe just Osaka can like cement her like just do it again. Yeah. Win it win it without um ha- have the narrative be about her winning rather than Serena exploding. Um, but yeah, uh, to our listeners, um, that about does it. Uh, if you, uh, if you wanna, if you have any gripes with anything we've said, or if you have any suggestions for things to talk about on the next episode, uh, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Doubles Alley Pod. Um, and subscribe wherever you get our get your podcasts we're on spotify now um as well as itunes and yeah we're really all over the place so uh yeah uh, follow us and give us a give us a review and without further ado la bomba